Amen. Some people say amen at the end. I say amen at the beginning. But it's wonderful to be in God's house. And we have been blessed as we sang these beautiful choruses. Great to see Robert with his all sunburned and his saxophone. Eh? Many happy memories of days gone by, my old friend George, who's all sunburned as well. I don't know how you manage it. I mean, we're white. Eh? <laughs> it's a great joy to be here. And as Pastor Stephen, Pastor Stevie said, it's a long time since we've been here. Not because we didn't want to come, but because we couldn't fit into our program. So, uh, we like Jocelyn to say something. Yes. Yeah, she's the best looking of the two, of course. And uh, we've been married now for a long time. Uh, I, I was working in Teen Challenge in Paris. I was the field evangelist many years ago, 40 odd years ago. And we had all kinds of weirdos came to our coffee bar. We had a coffee bar beside the 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 K the the, 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 the coffee bar beside the Seine. Eh? And if you fell in the river, you were insane. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, we had all these weirdos. We had homosexuals. We had drug addicts. We had prostitutes. And that's where I met Jocelyn. Eh? <laughs> But she wasn't in any of these categories. Eh? She had finished her Bible school in England, and she came to check me over, and as soon as she saw me, she fell in love with me. Eh? <laughs> Do you still love me? Eh? Doesn't say yes. Eh? Anyhow, Jocelyn, Jocelyn and I have been serving God as a team in many parts of Europe. We, we started our ministry in Belgium, we had a church in the city of Liège, and since then we, we were in France, we were uh, in Italy, we are now in Switzerland. We are based there, but we still travel in various parts of Europe. So, Justin, are you going to say something? In French, or would you like to? You, you'll enjoy her little French accent, huh? <laughs> Okay. It's really good to be with you this morning after all this time we haven't seen you. And uh, as you can notice, my Scottish accent has improved. (laughs) Anyway, I want to thank the Lord for his goodness, for his faithfulness, and to thank him because he's with us all the time. He's the one who can guide us and show us the way. And so I really want to praise him this morning. Amen. God can change any situation. Do you believe that? Even the most difficult uh, situation. And uh, can you hear me? He said, speak into the mic. So So I was in in Valencia in Spain, and I saw an elderly woman in the front of the church, sitting in in the front of the church, and uh, her face was beaming. She was we could see in her face the joy of the Lord. So I went to her and I said, oh, it's wonderful to see you here this morning. And she said, oh, I'm so happy to be here and to praise the Lord with you all. And afterwards, I heard about her story. She had been lying in in bed for seven years and uh, she needed a helper So she had a helper uh, from South America, 
a young woman, and uh, this young woman was a Christian. So she started to, to testify to this old woman. And uh, she said, I, I'll put you in a wheelchair and I'll take you to my church. And the old woman, she wasn't too sure about it, but finally she managed to get us to the church. And there she really accepted Jesus as her savior. And her life was completely transformed. And she even managed now to come to church walking just by herself. And she said, I'm so glad for what Jesus has done into my life. And the story goes on because this old woman, she had no family, so she decided to adopt this lady who had spoken to her about the Lord Jesus. And then she get married, and they, both her husband and her live in this old woman's house. So God can change situation. Amen. And we praise him because we see so many examples of life, lives changed. Uh, once we, uh, we, we, we go to Poland as well, and there was a young woman, and uh, she came to prayer, uh, for prayer, and uh, oh, she said, uh, my father is a drunkard, and life at home is so difficult. And she said, can you pray for me in this situation? And we prayed for her, and uh, two years after, uh, after Later, we went to the same church, and Evelyn was there, and she was ha so happy as well. And her father and her mother were sitting in the congregation, and they had accepted the Lord as their Savior Amen. as well. Amen. Prayer can change things. And I want to thank you for all your prayers on my behalf. I had problems with my eyes, as some of you know, and uh, but the Lord helped help helps me through this difficult time. It's not resolved fully now, but I know I can trust in Jesus. And I know that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. So God bless you all, and uh, I let Ken speak now because he's long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was a Neelum, a Neelum minister. Uh, he came onto the platform with a sticking plaster in his face. And he said to the people, oh, please excuse me, he said, but uh, this morning as I was shaving, I was thinking about my message, and I cut my face. And so uh, he, he continued, uh, and he was very long-winded. And when he was leaving the church, there was a wee note on, on the desk, or on the table at the entrance, and it said, Dear Pastor, uh, next time, think about your, your, your face and cut your message. <laughs> <laughs> so it's our delight to travel uh, spreading the good news of salvation. And of course, we, we sleep in all kinds of beds as we travel. Uh, some beds are... What is that? Is that convex? Or is that, is that concave? So we were in Spain in a convex, eh? Okay. And of course, we had to hold the mattress on either side. Just on her side, she held the mattress, me on my side. But the trouble is, when you fall asleep, you collide in the middle of the bed, eh? 
And so with all these kinds of experiences, we eat all kinds of food. We were down in Calabria in the south of Italy, and in Italy, when it's been raining, you see men walking along the side of the road with white plastic bags, collecting little black snails. And they love them, eh? Uh, and so we were invited to somebody's house in Calabria after it had been raining. And so the first course was a, a plate of these little black snails. And when Jocelyn saw them, she said, I'm very sorry, I, I can't eat these. And I was annoyed with her because the Bible says we should eat everything, anything that's set in front of us. That's why I'm the shape I am. Eh? And, and so uh, I ate mine. And then I told a wee lie. Uh, do you ever tell wee lies? Because if you tell a wee lie, you'll be punished. So I said to the lady, I said, these were delicious. <laughs> to cover up for Jocelyn, eh? these were delicious. And uh, I, I, actually, it was a downright lie because they tasted like lumps of Pirelli tires. <laughs> Anyhow, the, she, the lady disappeared into the kitchen and came back out with this, a second plate. Eh? So when you tell a lie, you'll always be punished. Okay. However, we're so glad to say that we've seen many people accepting Jesus as their Savior. We've baptized people in mountain lakes. We've baptized people in rivers, in the sea. Uh, you know, we love to go to Italy. We'll be going to Italy next month. Sorry, June. Uh, we have meetings in the area between Rome and Naples. The Italian Assemblies of God is the biggest Pentecostal movement in Europe. Bigger than Elam and AOG in this country put together. They have 1,200 churches and churches with uh, sometimes a 1,000 members. Eh? And every single person in these churches is a converted Roman Catholic. And of course, when a Catholic is saved, he doesn't become a Protestant. Why should he? A Protestant is no better than a Catholic. They become children of God. They become disciples of Jesus. And they rejoice in the new liberty they found in Christ Jesus. And so uh, we'll be going there for meetings. Uh, they, they have a t the Italian AOG have a television program every week that you can see anywhere in Italy. It's called Vivere a Cento per Cento. How's your Italian? Living at 100%. And as you know, many Christians are living at 50%. Eh? Somebody even living at 20%. But I trust as God's people, we are going to endeavor to live for 100% for Jesus our Savior. Do you agree? Yes. If you agree, put your hand up. Oh, put them down again. Okay, good. <laughs> Great. Uh, this morning, you know, just sitting there, so many memories come into my mind. I remember we were driving from Munich in Germany to Salzburg in Austria. And it was getting dark, and so we began to look for a place to sleep. And we saw a, a, a Zimmer Free, eh, Keith? Zimmer Free, which means more or less bed and breakfast, eh? It's not free, by the way. You have to, that's, that's, I don't know why they say that anyway. Zimmer free is Zimmer empty, bedroom empty. Eh? So we inquired, was a bedroom free, beautiful old house covered in flowers. And so we slept there. And in the morning, 
the lady who was the owner, she came, she's an old lady, she came and spoke to us. She spoke a wee bit of English and she said, uh, did you have a good sleep? We said, yes. She said, you know, during the war, Adolf Hitler and some of his officers slept in this, in this house. And she said, in fact, the bedroom you slept in was the bedroom in which Adolf Hitler slept. Oh, I said, I hope they changed the bed since then. Eh? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's so good to see people and to experience so many things with God's people. Now, just a verse in Mark chapter 9, a 4, verse 29. Jesus said, when the grain ripens, immediately the man, the farmer, puts in the sickle. You all know what a sickle is, eh? Puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Whenever the crop is ripe, the farmer puts in his sickle. And then he's a happy man as he gathers the harvest into, into his barn. And the same way we as God's people, we can rejoice as we bring in precious souls for the master. Remember the old song we used to sing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing. George, finish it. Okay, don't sing, please. Okay. And so, I've noticed three different kinds of sickle that we can use. Eh? We can use the sickle of preaching, we can use the sickle of prayer, and we can use the sickle of persuasion. Paul tells us, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them who believe. And preaching is a, a method that God has ordained, a method that God has honored, and a method that God has blessed down through the centuries. Peter knew how to use the sickle of preaching. Remember how he preached a powerful sermon on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 souls were gathered in that day. What a tremendous Pentecostal message. And what a glorious harvest for the glory of God. Then in Acts chapter 5, we read the verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every home, every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Daily in the temple... Daily in every house, in the temple, in the place of public worship where the Jews were meeting together, and also in private homes. You know, house meetings are not something new. Eh? They had house meetings right from the very beginning. And maybe some of you have a house meeting where you can share the good news of salvation. And every one of us, we can do the very same. We can testify about the wonderful work the Savior has done in our lives, in our homes, in our families. We go to Luxembourg uh, quite often to minister. And um, uh, we, were in, we were replacing the pastor for three weeks. He had gone to Africa. And there's a beautiful woman in the meetings. And it's always nice to see a beautiful woman in a meeting. Many beautiful women here today. Eh? I'm very handsome. You're a good-looking good congregation. Eh? 
And this lady, her name was Mary Therese. She was 35 years of age. She was an unmarried mother. And she had a wee boy, Oliver, uh, with her maybe eight, nine years of age. And in every meeting, she would stand up with a smile. She was a beautiful person, a smile, and, and give a testimony or pray. But Mary Therese was in terrible pain. She had a spinal cancer. Standing up, she was in pain. Lying down, she was in pain. Sitting down, she was in pain. But she had a beautiful countenance for the glory of God. Anyhow, uh, we prayed for Mary Therese. And David Petz from the Bible school at that time, he came and he prayed for Mary Therese. But when we left to go back to our base in Switzerland, Mary Therese had not been healed. And so we continued to pray for her that God would do something. Then one day the pastor phoned and said, Ken, please pray for Mary Therese. She's been taken to the hospital in Strasbourg. And so we prayed, we asked friends to pray. And then two weeks later, the telephones rang again, and again it was the pastor who said, Ken, keep praying because Mary Therese has been sent home. They can do nothing for her. She's been sent home to die. And so, you know, we called upon the Lord. We couldn't understand why God didn't intervene. Anyhow, one morning, a few weeks later, the phone rang. Mary Therese had died. And of course, we were so disappointed. We were so, we couldn't understand God's plan. Eh? Sometimes it's very hard to, to know what God is doing. However, the first Sunday after her funeral, her neighbor, a fellow called Bruno Guignard, who, who plays the clarinet in the National Orchestra of Luxembourg, for the first time ever, he came into an evangelical church, a Roman Catholic. Eh? And he stood there with tears pouring down his face. And he said, he said, when I saw what Mary Therese had, when I saw the peace she had, in spite of her pain, I want to know her Savior. That beautiful, eh? And so this fellow got saved. And then he began to testify in the orchestra. And many of these musicians found salvation through the testimony of Mary Therese. One fellow in the orchestra, he also played the clarinet, and his name was also Olivier Oliver. He, you know, musicians, Robert, I don't mean you, eh? but many musicians, you know, they're up one day and down the next day, eh? but you're, you're up every day. <laughs> okay. And, and so Olivier was in his garden, eh, turning over the, the, the soil, and he was singing. And so his neighbor, his neighbor, she came down, she said, Olivia, what medicine are you using now? <laughs> oh, he said, I found the best medicine that anybody can find. I found Jesus. Beautiful, eh? And he kept singing and dancing there in the garden. He had found the Lord. His sins had been forgiven. And many, as I say, many of these musicians gave their lives and their hearts to Jesus. You know, God knows what he's doing. And he knows why he's doing what he's doing. And so we can use the sickle of preaching. Secondly, we can use the sickle of prayer. You know, high on the Swiss mountains, we live at 1,040 meters above sea level. It's, you know, it's really nice. Sometimes the, the airplanes fly below us, eh? 
It's, it's terrific. We can wave to the pilot as he passes by. And uh, there are many farms up in these mountains. And of course, they use tractors, but sometimes the tractor is unable to go to certain parts because it's too dangerous. And so the, the, the farmer and his wife and his mother-in-law, they're all there with the, the sickle cutting, cutting the, the, the hay, eh? cutting the hay. <laughs> and so, um, you know, what position are they in as they use these sharp sickles? I'll tell you, they're on their knees. And God is looking for men and women who are prepared to pray on their knees. Do you ever pray on your knees? It's not fashionable now. Eh? You can pray in your bed, you can pray standing up. But uh, in France, in the French Assemblies of God, they still pray on their knees. And I was the assistant pastor in the church in Avignon, Sur le Pont d'Avignon, you know the song? And uh, they had a prayer meeting on a Tuesday evening and another one on a Friday afternoon. Now, I was living totally by faith. Eh? Uh, I didn't have anybody supporting me at that time. And it was between me and God. Eh? And it was a great experience. You know, I feel sorry for young ministers who don't have the, the privilege of living by faith. Great experience. And so uh, I, I bought an old car. It was a, a Renault uh, four horsepower. And very often it seemed that there were three of the horses had died. And, and the last remaining horse wasn't very well either. And so because of this, I had to walk a lot. And when you walk a lot, you wear out your shoes. Eh? And so uh, I went to the prayer meeting as usual on the Friday, on the Friday afternoon. <laughs> and and uh, I was, as I was praying, the old lady behind me, she could see my shoes. Eh? And not only could she see my shoes, she saw the hole in the sole. And she could see my socks. And she, and she could even see my, my bare foot. Eh? And so as we were praying, she tapped me on the shoulder. She said, Ken, give me your shoes. So I, I took my shoes off. But then to my great consternation, <laughs> she went out of the church with my shoes. I said, Lord, now I've got to walk home with my bare feet. Anyhow, before the prayer meeting ended, she came back. She had gone to the cobbler who had done an, an, an emergency repair job on my shoes. So it's good to pray on your knees because you can see the shoes of the, of the person in front of you. Okay. And today the Lord is looking for men and women who are prepared to use the sickle of prayer, who are prepared to pray continually for the salvation of precious souls, and who will pray that the Lord will send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus said, therefore... Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Eh? You know, it's great to be a member of a praying church. And I know here in Whitburn you're a praying assembly. And so, um, uh, where are we now? And there are certain kinds of situations, okay, that can only be changed when God's people decide to pray. On one occasion, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, uh, when they asked him why they had been unable to cast out a demon, and he said, this kind of demon can 
does not go out except by prayer and by fasting. How many of you have a problem? You're a very good-looking, happy congregation. But how many of you have a problem? There you are. Yeah. Okay, well, God knows about your problem. I was speaking in a church, a church in Switzerland, and I asked the same question. And there was an Italian lady in the meeting, and she shouted out, Mario! That was her problem, her, her husband. Her, her husband is called Mario. Eh? But uh, that's why it's so important to, to find the time every day to speak to our Heavenly Father and tell him all about our problem. Eh? Eh, another question, how many of you have a mobile telephone? Okay, I'll change the question. How many of you don't have a mobile telephone? Eh? You know, I've had a mobile telephone for the last 60 years, Georgia. The last 60 years. I have a, a mobile telephone here. My heart is washed by, with the precious blood of Jesus. And when I've got a problem, I take my mobile phone and I have immediate contact with heaven. And I can tell Jesus all about my problem, and he listens to me. Many times when you phone people, you, you ask, are you there? Are you there? <laughs> but Jesus is always there, always listening, and always answering our prayer and our need. And so Paul tells us that we must pray continually. We can pray at work, we can pray in the kitchen. When you're cooking, the, the Sunday joint, eh, you can pray. Uh, Pray in the car. Eh? When I'm in the car, I pray, and everybody else in the car with me prays too. Eh? Eh? <laughs> and the wonderful thing, the wonderful thing about prayer, is that prayer is not limited by time, nor by age, nor by education. Of course, when you when you when you pray, you don't have to close your eyes. Eh? You keep your eyes open, especially when you're driving. Eh? <laughs> But I remember, I remember many years ago when I was working in Paris, uh, we had a coffee bar, as I mentioned, beside the, the, the River Seine, and with all these dropouts who would come. And then one day, one evening, there was a very well-dressed man came uh, with a big car, eh? and obviously a, quite a prosperous man. And so I spoke to him. It was a change to speak to somebody who was well-dressed, wearing a tie. Eh? And not very many of the men have a tie on today. Eh? You know, in Italy, you can tell, you can tell, uh, Ian's got one. You're the only one. In Italy, you can tell the, in the meetings, a woman who doesn't have her head covered is not saved. Eh? And so it's very easy when you're preaching, you can see all these women with their head, head covered, and then any, any woman without a head covering, you know she's probably not safe. With men it's a bit more difficult. Uh, usually a, a Christian would have a tie on in the meeting, so there's not very many Christian men here today. Eh? <laughs> but um, <laughs> we, we had, uh, I had this guy. Yeah, I was very surprised. Very surprised with Pastor Stevie. <laughs> and so this this guy, this man that I was talking to, a married man with with three children, eh? 
And so we, we spoke, and I, I spoke to him about the Lord. And then it was, he said, oh, he said Ken, he said, uh, it's late, it's one o'clock in the morning. He said, I won't find a, a, a hotel now. I said, his name is Paul Ongri. I said, don't worry, Paul Ongri. Uh, I have a spare bed in, in my room. I wasn't married at the time, and I was, I was living in a, in a basement room, eh? in a block of flats. And so we crossed over Paris. He was driving his big car, and I had a little Simca. Eh? And we arrived at my place, down into the basement, and I locked the door. And he said, now, Ken, he said, I'm going to tell you what my problem is. I said, okay. He said, I'm a homosexual. Oh, I said, <laughs> my first reaction was to tell him to, to get going, to, 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 you know. But then as I looked at that man, I realized that Jesus gave his precious blood that he might find salvation. And I said, Paul Ongri, we're going to pray. And I can assure you, I prayed with my eyes open. Eh? <laughs> but the wonderful thing is, Paul Ongri got saved, eh? transformed. And after a few months, he uh, he asked to be baptized. And uh, I remember we, we arranged a baptismal service in a, in a church in Paris. And I said, Paul Ongri, you don't have to speak about your past life. Just say you're a sinner saved by grace. Uh, anyhow, he stood up and he told the church exactly what he had been. And there was a, an old lady at the back who stood up and she shouted, if God has done this for my son, then I want to be saved as well. And I want to be baptized. So she was maybe about 85. If you're 85, you don't have a lot of time to waste. And so we took her into the vestry. We explained the way of salvation. She accepted the Savior. And then Paul Ongri, her son, was baptized. And we baptized his mother. Beautiful, eh? I'll tell you, every day we can expect a miracle. We can expect something wonderful to happen as we believe and as we put God's Word into practice. Okay. Now, Stevie told me, Stevie told me that the meeting finishes at one. Is that what you said? No, he did say half past twelve. I won't tell any more lies. Okay. And so we can use the sickle of prayer. And prayer can change things. As Justin said, prayer can change things and prayer can change people. Okay, the sickle of prayer, the sickle of preaching, uh, and the sickle of persuasion. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men. And we can learn how to be persuasive as we speak about Jesus. And I'm sure you've all had the same experience as me, maybe in a supermarket or even at the door of your home. A quick-talking salesman, Save and Prosper or some of these guys, <laughs> a quick-talking salesman it gets hold of you. And before you know what's happening, you end up buying some fancy product. Eh? And sometimes we buy gadgets and we buy objects that are of no use whatsoever. Eh? Uh, you know, we have a, a friend in one of the churches in, in Lausanne where I preach. And uh, it's not just the whole shilling. Eh? 
and uh, is, is always very well dressed. And he, he speaks beautiful French. You would think he was uh, really a, a smart guy. But he, he's living in a home for uh, mentally handicapped people. But he loves tractors. He can't drive, eh? but he, he's fascinated by tractors. And every year there's a, an exhibition, an agricultural exhibition in Lausanne. And Freddie went to this exhibition. And uh, he was admiring the tractor's latest model, John Deere. And uh, the quick-talking salesman talked Freddie into buying one. And <laughs> Freddie, he signed the contract. <laughs> uh, I mean, the salesman, he was out of order. But Freddie signed and big smile. And so a week later, in front of this home for mentally handicapped people, <laughs> this, this, a big low loader arrived with a, a, a new John Deere tractor. <laughs> and the director, he, he was going to have his mind. Eh? Anyhow, they managed to get the thing arranged and <laughs> the, the, tractor, the tractor was sent back. In our home, you must come and see us, eh? Okay, in our home, well, don't all come at once, one at a time. <laughs> in our home, we have, we have a few boxes in the attic filled up with useless articles that we bought or that we accepted from people who were fed up looking at them, and, and we, took them, we took them over. And we always said it might come in handy. And we had a visit from a wee Italian pastor, Giovanni Verga. And so Jocelyn prepared a meal, and then at the end she said to him, Giovanni, would you like a coffee? And he said, yes, I would like a coffee, but not Nescafe. I want a real Italian coffee. And so Jocelyn remembered she had some coffee beans in a tin. And I remember that up in the attic, I, I had an old coffee machine that somebody had given me eh, in Italy. It, it had a spout on it. And the idea was that as it heated up, uh, the coffee would come out of the spout. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> excuse me laughing with I can see it all like uh, Anyhow, Giovanni was sitting there waiting in his coffee. Justin put the coffee, filled it with water, coffee, put it on the gas, and it began to shake, you know, boiling. But nothing was coming out of the spout because it was clogged up. It hadn't, hadn't been used for years. And so Giovanni, he said, you do not know how to use an Italian machine. And he began to shake it. And the, the whole thing, the, the, the spout was cleared, and the coffee come blasting out all down his shirt. Eh? <laughs> and so he said, next time I come, I'll, I'll ask for a cup of tea. So, <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul was a tremendous soul winner. Eh? And he knew how to use the sickle of persuasion. We read in Acts chapter 18, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Acts 20, 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And then Acts 28. Many came to Paul at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from morning till evening. You know, the Lord wants you and me to look for opportunities to testify for the glory of his name. It's good to be in church on Sunday. 
But every one of us, we go back into, into the world, the, the big real world, and every day we are surrounded by men and women who don't know Jesus as their Savior. And we, we can have the, the glorious privilege to testify about Jesus and about his love. Um, you know, time is going, okay, but another wee story. We, we, we go to Sicily. We love the Italian churches. And I, I like Sicily because nearly all the men are we. <laughs> And in fact, I'm probably taller than the average. <laughs> Great churches. There's a church in Sicily, that we, in Messina. Got my car pinched in Messina. It was a new car. The, the, the young people in the church in Calcythe had bought for me. Eh? There you are. And it was only five months old. And I parked it in front of the pastor's house. And the, the next morning, the pastor... He knocked on the door. He said, can a cup of coffee drink this and have something to show you? So I drank the coffee and then he took me to the window. And where my car had been was a big empty space. During the night, it had been pinched. But uh, Justin was amazed. I didn't even get angry. I said, like Job, the Lord has given and the mafia have taken away. (laughs) May the name of the Lord be glorified. I said that because my car was insured. <laughs> I, got, I got the money. Eh? Okay. Anyhow, in the church in, in, in Messina, there's a lady called Madalena. And Madalena is a nurse. But she was a very bad-tempered nurse. And in fact, in the hospital in Messina, all the doctors were a bit afraid of her. And if, there were, if, she, if Madalena was walking down the corridor, the doctor who would be in front of her, would jump into a ward to avoid her. The patients used to dread when Madalena would come to give them an injection. She was brutal. They used to scream. As Anyhow, a, 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 patient, a patient was a member of the Assembly of God Church. And this, uh, this lady testified to Madalena. She said, when I get out of here, I want you to come with me one Sunday to our Assembly of God Church. And Madalena, she accepted. And she got saved. She got saved. And you know, when you get saved, you get transformed. Eh? Eh? All things become new. All the old things have gone. And so she was testifying to a doctor in the hospital. And she said, you know, she said, I'm so happy since I found Jesus as my Savior. And the doctor said, Madalena, you're not the only one that's happy. (laughs) He said, the whole hospital is happy. You know, people can realize the difference in our lives when we come to Jesus. Jesus said, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already white for harvest. You know, this is a personal call to every one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. A, a few years ago, we went to see an old man in Colsyth, Bobby Anderson. He was the man that led my mother to Christ, eh? and he was 99. And uh, we went, he was staying with his, his son James, who was 76. <laughs> and uh, we went to see him. 
and we were really sad to see it. It was in a bed, like a like a cot with bars all around it, because eh? he had gone blind, completely blind. And I, I said to him, Bobby, do you know who's speaking to you? Aye, he says, fine, I can. It's Kathy's Lodi. Eh? That was me. And uh, so I said, Bobby, it must be terrible. A man like you who was so active to be laid up. He said, not a bit of it. He said, this is the best time of my life. He said, I'm never tired. He said, I I don't see anything. He said, all my attention is focused on Jesus. I'll tell you, it was a terrific lesson he gave us. And he said, I pray for the church. I pray for every member of my family. I pray that God will bless them and help them. He said, I pray for everybody. He said, I pray for you. He said, I pray for all those who are connected with our assembly. So, however, Bobby died. Bobby died before he was 100. Eh? So he didn't get a telegram from the Queen, but he got a great welcome from the King. Amen. And I know today he's rejoicing in the presence of the King of Kings. So it's a personal call to you, a personal call to me, because so many opportunities to testify. But you, we say, not now, Lord. Later on, I'll try to... To a neighbor, to a friend, to a colleague, we must take every chance to speak about Jesus. There was a Swiss pastor traveling on a train between Bern and Zurich. And as you can imagine, the, the, because of the mountainous terrain, terrain, is that a word? Yeah? I, I'm so, I preach always in French, yeah? and so uh, this, this uh, two, these last two weeks, we were up in the Broch, up in uh, Fraserburgh, eh? and that was my first time to speak, in it, and I ended up speaking in French, eh? and <laughs> they thought we were speaking in tongues. <laughs> and uh, this was pastor, as the, the train was traveling along, he was in a compartment with another young man, and the Lord spoke to the pastor and said, speak to that young man concerning his soul. And the pastor looked, he said, while well, he's reading a book, he said, a I, I can't interrupt him just now, but later on, and the train sped on, a second time the Lord spoke to the pastor, a second time he said, Lord, not now I'll do it later on, a third time. And then the train went into a tunnel, and for some reason, some unknown reason, the light didn't come on in the compartment. And the pastor was horrified to hear an explosion in the compartment and the smell of gunpowder. The young man was lying on the floor when the, the train spread out into the sunshine. The young man, was, his body was lying on the floor of the compartment. In his hand, he was holding a gun. He had committed suicide. And the pastor told us, he said, the blood of that young man is on my hands because I didn't obey the voice of God. What a terrible lesson. I'm sure we've never had such a terrible lesson, but many times we have said, not just now, Lord, later on I'll try to to speak about you. eh? And so it's a personal call from Jesus, and he's asking us to work for him in this great harvest. Are we going to answer, yes, Lord, here am I, here am I. You know, when we see what's happening in our present world, in our present society, we realize we can look up 
because Jesus is coming soon. And the, the situation right now is desperate. Eh? The, field, the fields are white. Men's hearts are filling them for fear. And so we must seize every opportunity to speak about Jesus and about his love. Stevie, I didn't intend to say all that. Eh? I was going to preach, but there you are. Anyhow, it gives you an idea of what we are trying to do for the Lord. Eh? And uh, great if you would join us. One or two have come over to see us. Uh, Robert and Margaret. Where are you, Margaret? I see. Okay. Hey, you're all sunburned as well. Eh? <laughs> okay. And... Uh, oh, she dancing on the poem. Oh, good. Were you helping her? Okay. Well, maybe we'll see the photo after. Eh? But uh, you got it in your pocket? Okay. Good. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, we want to thank you most sincerely for your prayers on our behalf and for your monthly support. Uh, God is good. God is so good. And we like nothing. We don't like anything. Wait a minute. How, do you, how would you say that in proper English? We don't need anything. It doesn't, God meets our need continually. And many times I say to Jocelyn, I said, it's amazing. I say, it's amazing that we're still able to continue because the Lord meets our needs. We don't have any debt. Eh? That's good. Some people, you know, they buy stuff and then they ask the Lord to give them the money to pay for it. But we believe in asking for the money beforehand. That way we don't have any debt. Eh? And so, um, you know, it, it's so good. I'm getting on. I'm the same age as George. Eh? And George is getting... George, you be quiet. George is... When is your birthday? October? It's not. November, okay. My birthday's in May. So I'm a wee bit older than Georgia, and uh, George has been a great friend down through the years. Eh? I could tell you a few stories. <laughs> I could write a book, in fact. Eh? We used to go on holiday together, eh? but we always went. We always went to church, didn't we? <laughs> so okay, uh, I hope I haven't been too frivolous. Yeah? yeah? No? Stevie, he's the man that decides. Eh? And Stevie, we really pray that God will greatly bless this community eh? and bring in souls who need to find salvation. Remember there was a, a, an American evangelist came to, to Bible school when I was there. And he said, our idea today is, you come, hear me. But he said, Jesus went to speak to the people. And I realize that sometimes we have big campaigns to, to, to preach the word, and it's great. I'm not, I, I, I agree entirely. But we've got to be individual soul winners. Wherever we go, we meet every day. Remember Smith Wigglesworth, he said, Lord, I want to win a soul for you every day. And the Lord allowed that to happen because Smith looked for the occasion. And that's the thing. We've got to have a desire. Okay, I'm going to stop. Amen.
You say amen because I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'll remember that. Okay. But thanks, Steve, for having us. And we've thoroughly enjoyed the, being with you. You're a fantastic bunch of people because you belong to Jesus. Eh? Amen. Great. There's Robert there looking terrific. Yeah, I enjoyed your thanks. Eh? Great. Well, I played it the other day. And I told, I told the people, I said, I'm going to football on Sunday for there's a professional saxophone player. <laughs> so there you are. Okay, Steve, I'll stop. Eh? Amen.